senior scientist. Um, so we move from uh, a very sort of the creative end of the spectrum all the way through to a very scientific end of the spectrum, but we have healthy obsessions at the heart of this today as well, and, and, and the balance of discipline and creativity in all of these environments. I'm really sort of fascinated to talk to you about the, the amazing work that you're doing. Yeah, and, thanks um, for having me. Uh, we're in the middle of Stand Up to Cancer Month, month as yes. well at the moment, so you, you're involved in some fundraising we're, as well? We're involved as part of that, so it's a Cancer Research UK and I should step along with Channel 4, so if you see some very garish, bright orange posters around the place or very in-your-face adverts, that's us. And um, us and the therapeutic labs, hit my mic, uh, we like to be part of that fundraising experience as well, just because we think it's really important to kind of appreciate how much hard work the fundraisers, volunteers and people who donate to CRUK have to put in for every pound we receive. Um, so, and in my case, it involves me organising an escape room for all my directors where I lock them in a room and people <laughs> donate money to uh, make them do silly tasks so they can get out in time. And I'm hoping all that training you gave them has given them the real skills to get through all these tasks. So we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> but, but, but I guess as well, the, the, the fundraising side of that in terms of connecting you with an audience as well, does, it, does that play a part for you? Yes, definitely. And it's a really important part of what we do in that kind of video you saw earlier was just um, that's someone finding out you know they've, they've recovered from their cancer and that kind of helps us reconnect back with our audience because like I said the only reason I have a job is because people have donated at the end of the day they they fund me they've they've paid for me to be there but they might never see my performance they might never see what I do but they're a complete integral part of my job and it's it's just it's really humbling sometimes that they they we're we're all in this together you know we're everyone that works at cancer research uk we've all been you know affected by cancer and that's where all our donations come from as well and you know to be a bit grim if you're born after 1960 there's a one in two chance that you're going to get cancer so there's a lot of people here that are going to be our audience that are all emotionally connected to what we're doing every day and uh, part of being a scientist is sometimes really appreciating that but also knowing when to bottle it up and just get on with it you've got a job to do <laughs> yeah, and, and and as a scientist so your day-to-day -day existence is looking to develop candidate drugs which potentially might then go forward to provide a cure for cancer cells exactly. in the lab Exactly. So uh, my role is lab based. Uh, so I am part of a very large team of scientists from lots of different disciplines that are all trying to find cures for cancer. But my specific role within that is that I make the potential drugs and I also design them. So you know there might be some cringes from the audience we, we talk chemistry a lot like it's cooking sorry <laughs> except i'm sure that most of your ingredients aren't poisonous and go on fire sometimes which some of ours do um, <laughs> um but when you when you think of lab work that's what i'm doing it's cooking i am i've got my list of ingredients and i'm putting them all together to try and make something new to then test in scientific systems to see if it works against the target and uh, it's, it's, it's completely practical as well, which I don't think sometimes people appreciate. I'm on my feet all day, I work in a lab, I've got to be dexterous, there's things that are dangerous, flammable, toxic, uh, but it's all very exciting. <laughs> and, and, and 
the backdrop to all of that, what, what's success for you then as a drug discovery scientist? Yeah, I mean, uh, the overall goal for me in my career is obviously, ideally I want to have played a design part into something that is going to improve someone's quality of life and preferably cure cancer. Um, but really, I, if I work on a drug that's going to make it to market, there, there's not actually a massive success rate that that will happen in my career because it's such a difficult problem. But part of that is just accepting as well that I'm just a little cog in this big machine. It's not one genius that's going to cure cancer. Like the video said, it's over 200 diseases. So we, we rely on massive networks of people all working together for that. And I'm just a cog in the machine. But you know, the only way science moves forward is people having ideas. So it's so exciting being part of that process and knowing that something you do could spur that project on. And at the end of the day, the only way people are going to eventually find cures for cancer is if I get in the lab and I start making things for people to test. That's what gets you out of bed in the morning. Like I've got to get, get into the lab, I've got to make things because that's the only way you're going to get new drugs is if we get in the lab and make them. Yeah. So, so within within your world, there's obviously the the deep rigor of scientific methodology, the yeah. repeatability, the consistency. So if something's going to work, it needs to have gone through that rigorous scientific process. Yeah. But there's creativity in there as well. How how do, how do the two work together? Completely. Um, it's it's the old cliche of you've got to learn the rules really well to know how to break them because that's the only way scientific breakthroughs ever made is because someone went okay, all these people have done all these experiments and proven all of this. Well, how can I start poking this theory and take it to the next level? And, and in terms of the scientific rigour, it's such a backbone of what we do. It's so important. And unfortunately, I think that's sometimes what maybe people find a bit overwhelming because they think it's data, data analysis, and it's all kind of drudgery and we all just sit there and we're thinking all the time but really the only reason we sit and do all of that is because we've had this creative idea and we want to prove that it's worked but we need the data rigor and data integrity there so that other people can go did you though and you can go yes i've got it all here i can prove that i did what i said i did and um and like i said the only reason you sit and do all the drudgery with the data and make sure it's absolutely perfect and on point is because you want to get back in the lab and do the exciting stuff because designing drugs is creative we're designing at the end of the day and it might not you might not associate science with creativity but like i said that's the only way we ever break boundaries is by getting creative so we have to create that um, collaborative atmosphere where ideas are open, where people can come to you with ideas that you can bounce things off of each other. And it's a big part of what we do. I mean, my current project, we're working on something extremely complex, even by our usual drug discovery standards. And that was three months of us just standing in front of a whiteboard, doodling ideas and bouncing ideas off of each other, going away, having a think, then coming back and scribbling all over again. And that's another reason why we talk about teamwork and the people we work with are so key because we've all we've all learned the rules. We've all learned the scientific way of doing things. We've all done degrees in chemistry, but how people approach those problems are going to be completely different. And that's why you need a diverse team of people that think different ways and to have that open environment because 
if, if you're too scared of sharing your ideas, we're never going to move anywhere. Nothing's going to get done. We're just going to be repeating the same thing people have done before. So that's where it can be really exciting. Yeah. And, and talk to me a little bit about the ongoing motivation there, because it sounds like you need to be incredibly good at delayed gratification because it could be <laughs> a long time before something happens. Yeah. But, so, but you've got the day-to-day -day commitment to running the latest experiments in the lab and exactly. things together. How, how do you, where does the motivation come from where there perhaps isn't a success two weeks down the line? That's coming? Yeah, motivation is a big deal because in terms of drug discovery, we are playing a long-term game. From initial idea, we've got this target that might be involved in cancer, all the way up to a drug being approved, can be over 12 years. So, you know, the project I'm working on now, it could be over five to seven years before it even gets close to being in a human in clinical trials. So in terms of, you know, how do I rate my job satisfaction, I could be waiting a while until I can tell you that, yes, I have achieved something. So this is where, you know, you can't always think about big picture. Yes, that's what I want to do. But in terms of day to day, there's lots of little wins because at the end of the day, science is exciting. You might not believe me, but it is. So I get to go in the lab every day and discover things that no one's ever discovered before. I get to make things no one's ever made before. And that's the motivation because at the end of the day, everyone that does science is curious. They love to learn. And as a discipline, science, the whole point of science is that we're always learning. We adapt what we know to the evidence that's in front of us. That's what we love to do. That's what we love to learn from. So I'm always learning, I'm always reading, and I'm always discovering. So that's the thing that keeps you going every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of takes me back to the world of sport, and the, you know the, uh, the 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 much quoted concept of the aggregation of marginal gain is very mm -hmm. much a scientific application to the world of sport. You know, what well, what's the day to day yeah. gain that we can make? What's the refinement we can make? How mm -hmm. do we advance something little by little? And you know, and that's key. And, and you've talked about the teamwork yeah. component. Um, what lengths do you have to go to to get the teamwork right when you've got these different brains contributing but then I guess get, you know carrying out the experiments and uh, delivering the protocols? I love how you phrased it as different brains <laughs> um, because yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of smart people in the room so how I'm sure everyone in their different careers you know they're used to dealing with lots of smart people in the room and these are people that were you know taught the class at high school they've done their PhDs that used to be a smart person and then how do you take all of these smart people who all have the best idea and instead push it forward into a project and that's where having the synergy and the communication is really key like we even this interview process for people that come work with us is a big deal because we have to make sure they're going to slot into that team and also bring something new so personality is a big part of it as well as your scientific rigor and your scientific background so that's specifically within our discipline in chemistry we have to make sure like that we've got lots of people from different backgrounds that are good at different things but we've got ways of communicating with each other and then we'll have our project teams that we're all part of and that's where i'm working with cell biologists metabolism experts and then they'll get into our larger network because we also deal with academics we deal with pharmaceutical industry partners who help us fund and accelerate these processes so there's a lot of egos you're balancing and there's a lot of ideas that you're balancing so this is just where strategy and having just trust in each other because at the end of the day my biologists and my team I trust them empirically that they're telling me the right thing and vice versa 
they trust me that I'm giving them the best potential drug for them to test in their systems. Because I spent a long time at university learning how to make those things, and they also spent a long time at university doing their thing. So it's just, it's complete trust. You know, if, you st if I start going in there thinking I know more than the cell biologist, it's just not going to work. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So this trust and just communication is key. Yeah, I, I, you know, I talk a lot with the, with the teams that we work with around com competitive collaboration. Yeah. You know, be, be, be the best at being yourself, but be the best at collaborating with yeah. other people to make the combination, you know, as, yeah. as good as possible. And I think, I think that's key. I, I'm, I'm interested as well, just in terms of what you said earlier around, you know, um, you know, you're running experiments, you're looking to get the data, the, you know, you, you're, you're waiting to kind of press the key to kind of see what happens. And I'm getting a sense that emotion may also be involved in this rather than just purely sort of, you know, you know, dead behind the eyes, logical scientists. Um, what, what happens when you press the button and it kind of goes, right, actually, that, that hasn't quite gone how we thought it was going to. Yeah. That hasn't, how, how, do you, how do you manage that? Failure is such a big part of our job because you can have the best idea in the world and you can just pursue it aggressively. But if you start ignoring all the failures and you don't see the wood for the trees then you're wasting everyone's time and money and you're never actually going to reach that end goal which is curing cancer emotion is a massive part of it like i said this is a long-term game you know and drugs fail they drug they fail in the clinic they might fail before that failure is a big part of it and risk is a big part of it and you know i've had that when i'm training students before that an experiment doesn't work and they just they just can't move on from it and that's a big part of moving on from learning things at university to actually applying science in real life is that nothing's perfect and things don't work and um and in my case sometimes it is you know if something doesn't work and i've spent a long time working on it maybe it's spent i could have spent four weeks waiting for one thing that i've worked tirelessly to get to and then it might not work it might not do the thing it's supposed to. And it, you know, I'm only human, it can be difficult to not be like, oh, I'm in a huff and just walk off. But I, like we were talking with the scientific integrity, I still have to go back and write up that lab book. I've still got to then sit and deal with my failure. You've got to type up exactly why it failed. And that's equally important so that someone else doesn't then go and repeat it and waste everyone's time. So having that backlog of information and having the failure out there is just as important because I don't want someone else to waste valuable funds on doing the same thing but actually in the writing it up sometimes once you've got over the emotional response that can be a really good time to you then go oh wait I didn't spot that the reason it didn't work is maybe because of this thing and that's really important and I can learn from that and move on so there's just yeah dealing with failure is a big part yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, more balance. You know, getting better at not doing the wrong thing, as well as getting better at seeking out the the, the right thing as well, and kind of you know, yeah, and being able to adapt to things going wrong and knowing how to move it forward from that. You know, we've kind of got it's a phrase we sometimes batter in the office, and that you know we we want to cure cancer, but at the end of the day, we want to stop projects as quickly as possible. And you might go, that makes no sense. I thought you were trying to cure cancer. Well, actually, we're trying to ask the killer questions that prove that this isn't going to work. Because if it doesn't, then we can ditch it and we can move on to something that might work. And that's more important rather than you just going, oh, but I really like this idea. It doesn't work. Move on. So we're constantly trying to ask those killer questions that will 
move it out the way as quickly as possible and it's again very difficult because you get to a point where you're like oh god are we going to kill a project or not but then it might surprise you and you go oh it's still working brilliant now we've learned something and it might not work the same way we thought but it's still applicable and we can still move move forward so we're always learning yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and i'm interested just in terms of you know um with the procedures that you're going through the lab-based work yes. a lot of a lot of the kind of you said you're on your feet a lot as well yeah. How do, you, how do you make sure that stays at high standards, rigorous? Because, yeah. you know, again, like elite sport, that's a lot of monotonous stuff doing the mm -hmm. same thing over and over again, but the precision of it needs to be incredibly high. And there's Massively. a lot more at stake here. It's, it's, it starts with a bit of ritual. You know, you, you sit, you go from the office into the lab, you put your lab coat on, your goggles on, your gloves on. You're not doing it just so you look sciencey. You're doing it for your own sake. <laughs> and um, if anyone comes to my lab without goggles, they get shouted at and kicked out. Um, and that's part of you know the first thing you know you get in your lab. And our, like I said, our job is extremely practical. You have to be extremely dexterous. And actually, as you move throughout your career in science, you're probably going to start moving out of the lab more into strategy because you've got that overarching knowledge. So it becomes one of these funny things where if you're slightly more advanced and higher up the career ladder, we don't want you in the lab anymore <laughs> because you're not in there every day. You're not in there every day. You're not as practiced. You're not as skilled because I said it's extremely practical. And that's also a big trust of it is for our senior chemists to know that okay, see this really basic stuff? I'll do that, and you do the really fiddly, pernickety thing that's going to cause you to have to stare at it for eight hours a day and make sure it's done properly. Because like I said, we, we deal with things that, um, I mean, we're trying to develop anti-cancer anti drugs, but at the end of the day, it's something that could be cell toxic. You don't know until you've tested it. Uh, we deal with things that can go on fire. We deal with things that can be poisonous, toxic if i took it outside of the fume hood and breathed it in i could be a goner all these sorts of things might seem real and it's, it could be really scary and you might go god you do that every day but for us part of our scientific training is knowing how to deal with it safely that's why i spent eight years at university was how to deal with all these reagents correctly and know how to use them in a safe manner for an overall goal like it's it's just such an exciting part of the job and, and, and in terms of you maintaining your sort of healthy obsession and balance around what you do, do, do you have a do you have support around you? Who, who who helps you out? Who keeps you sort of you know in the best shape you can be in? It's been really interesting hearing some of the other guys talking about um, because I've certainly had that where you know as a scientist we can get a bit locked on. We love what we do and we do take it home with us. Uh, my partner has complained on multiple occasions that I'm talking chemistry in my sleep. Um, just because of, just because I'm not at work doesn't mean the cogs aren't turning, and because a lot of it can be very thinking focused, I'm really lucky now that I'm settled with Cancer Research UK that I can start to take a step back and start to maybe try and take care of myself a bit more because over the years we haven't because I've been so locked on doing lab work, but like that that's where the organisation is great because I'm so lucky that. We've got a supportive team where people value the importance. We've got mental health first aiders. We've got, you know, people getting you out the door at your lunch to go for a walk <coughs> rather than just sitting stressing over things. And it's 
creating that work-life balance with people that are obsessed with science, they love their job, but also making sure that they are healthy and are functioning the best way that they can. Yeah, yeah. I was slightly disturbed by Ashley's description of her father being a slightly stressed neurosurgeon, which, which, which kind of worries me a little bit. <laughs> Could you just chill out a bit because you're going to do something quite important? Yeah, but, but like what you said about, you know, you've got to do something that's your, your vocation that you love. I think every scientist that you'll ever meet is always just like, yes, I get paid to do this. Like, this is so exciting for us. It's like geek and proud of it. Yeah, yeah. geek and proud, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 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 you know, that is the obsession thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we, at Planet K2, we had, we had our performance geek concept mm. a while, you know, just, just bit, had that, that obsession with something, being really geekily interested in it, where you just kind of want to know some more and, and, and keep going. And, and, mm. and, it, and is, is there, is there um, sort of, because of the, the longevity of the programmes that you're involved in. What, what, what does sort of ambition look like for you sort of alongside those programmes as well? I think, I mean, the first thing, job satisfaction for me is knowing that I'm always learning and that people trust my opinions and that I'm allowed to develop and push ideas forward. That's what's really exciting about where I'm at in my career right now. But in terms of overall career goals, like I said, this project I'm on right now could fail and I'll just have to move on. But part of your career working through this is just building up that scientific knowledge that you can start to take everything you've learned from failed experiments, failed projects and build that into your own project and your own idea and actually get somewhere with it. So for me, that's what I'd eventually like to be doing would be leading these projects, leading ideas and having the confidence that I've learned enough from the past that you're going to be making the best decisions that get it done the quickest, fastest, and most accelerated way. Because at the end of the day, there's patients waiting. So Yeah, yeah and that was going to be my last question, yeah. just in, ter in terms of sort of connection to the patient. Mm -hmm. do, do, does that feature for, for you guys in the labs? It does and it doesn't because, like what we've heard about today, sometimes you have to compartmentalise that part of you because like I said, you know, there's people I have in my own personal life that are currently dealing with cancer, that are asking me for advice about clinical trials, the medication they're on. We've, I mean, we've had people in my family pass away from it, but if I focused on that every day, I wouldn't get my job done. But it's a kind of just more, it's there, it's always there and it's at the back of your mind and like that being part of a charitable drug discovery organisation with Cancer Research UK as well. They are great for constantly reconnecting us back with people as well. They're so encouraging about us doing volunteering, fundraising, and also like that being involved in Race for Lives and come along because it reconnects us back with everyone else as well. And just to also show that as us, the scientists, the ones that you're paying the money for us to do this job, it affects us the same way and we're really trying. We are working as hard as we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. And you know, that's, it, it, it's, this whole thing is very humbling for me and finishing off with that as well, you know, just, just in, in, incredible the work that you do and, and, and the way and the dedication with which everyone at Cancer Research UK goes about, about that work as well. So uh, um, more power to you and more, more, more support to you as well. You know, it's absolutely superb. So um, uh, Mo, thank you so much. That's no been bother. absolutely superb. <laughs>